Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This here is a podcast where we three friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil, and some recently watched. We'll talk about that first, and we'll try not to spoil that. We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon-Rays. You can buy their music digitally on Apple Music or Amazon. We're not professional critics. We don't claim to be. We're just guys who like movies and we draw stuff and uh, we do this out of the kindness of our hearts. No one pays us to do this. We're not professional anythings in this arena anyway. So we are your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolian. Good evening. And Will. Hello. Guys, uh, we're back. All three of us. We've assembled the three-part Voltron that is Chewing the Scenery. Yes. There was something I said in the car before we recorded last time, Will, and I forgot to say it on on mic, so I have to say it now. The Fast and the Furious movies are like the Transformer movies, but the cars never turn into anything. Yes. (laughs) That's, you know, as good as it gets. So... (laughs) I I like... uh, They they remind me of when I was playing with little toy cars when I was a kid and you could just make your cars do any anything oh they could just drive up the wall yeah go up trees and whatever. yeah yeah it, it's that, pretty that's how they're written pretty much it's just a bunch of big kids that uh, didn't get enough of cars when they were little you know so who wants to start recently watched I'll go uh, not watched this much uh, this week um I think we watched an episode of Gossip Girl and a couple episodes of Euphoria, and that's about it. Wow. You been busy? Trying nah, just not watching anything. Trying to beat the heat? We're having a heat Definitely wave. Definitely doing that, although it's not as bad as some people got. I know. Like, we've got a heat wave here in Denver that's like, every day is 90, mid-90s-ish. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's hot. It's unpleasant, but yeah. Julian, do you want to go next? All right. I watched. Uh, finally, watched Ferris Bueller, which everyone else in the world has seen. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, yeah, you lent it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've seen it. You know, uh, it feels like I've lost something. You know, it's like losing your virginity. It's like <laughs> you feel like you've lost something, but that's okay. Uh, it's happy it's comical um you know just like you losing your virginity um yeah i, I was really impressed by the uh, the editing oh yeah it's pretty sharp yeah uh, um very very effective and the cast was good uh photography by tak fujimoto yes yeah and uh 
he he comes up again and again in the John Hughes films, doesn't he? Does he? I think he does. I'm pretty sure. Um, Breakfast Club. Pretty sure he's in on that one. Uh, I could look that up. But. And uh, one of the cinema marquees was for uh, Godzilla 1985. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I, was, I was sort of sleazy late 60s movie called Behind Locked Doors, also known as Anybody Anyway. All right. One of those scummy backwards, low budget driving rural things. Um, Sounds good. Psychotronic calls it sick, so you know you're into something. Yeah. So is it hicksploitation? Not yeah, not quite. This one's um uh there's a party at a barn and a bird watcher turns up. He's either a bird watcher or a voyeur prepared to hike and uh he he saves a woman from being raped at the party. And then he talks her and her friend to uh, coming to his house. Uh, but the house, uh, they, they get they get trapped in the house. And he's uh, him and his uh, mouth breather assistant and his wife are um, experimenting to uh, they want the perfect love. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they've they've trapped these women and they've got a, a basement full of uh, uh, embalmed women, of course. And um, uh, one of one of the women they trapped is a is a lesbian, but it's uh, it's not it's not depicted as a, a wicked thing. Or so I thought that was that was quite advanced for nineteen sixty eight. But uh, it's it's pretty dull and dreary. Um, uh, kudos to the women playing the embalmed victims; they do a good job of, of staying still. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think uh, Peter Walker did a better job of this sort of sleazy sexual repression hmm. thing in the 70s. Um, the ending will remind you of Maniac, that's all I'll say. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was that one. And let's see, I saw, uh, oh, I saw a, a film noir called Guilty Bystander from 1950. Do you know this one? I'm not it was, sure. It was like recently restored. It's one of those that went missing for quite a while. Oh, I don't know this one. Um, so this is a this is also sleazy, very scuzzy, grubby, scummy, stinking noir. <laughs> uh, you've got uh, there's a character named Max Thursday who's played by Zachary Scott, and uh, okay, yeah, he, he's this like a uh, alcoholic detective, uh, which is not much of a stretch for Zachary Scott. No. Apparently. Um, and he's looking for his son. Um, it, it, yeah, it's uh, it's really downbeat. All right, <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, the other side of the mirror, 1973, Jess Franco film. Uh, you got a rich pianist named Anna, who finds her father, who's played by um, Howard Vernon, of course, finds him hanging, and she sees him in a mirror. So then, um, from that moment on, he's uh, every time she looks in a mirror, she sees her hanging father. It's one of Jess Franco's Hanging Dad films. <laughs> he did two or three of these. It's a subgenre. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, she she, uh, she has fantasies about murdering her boyfriend, etc. And uh, and then there's lots of hanging out at a jazz club and, and a tiki restaurant. And there's like you can see Jess Franco playing the piano and. Um, it's just one of his 
dreamy films, melancholy films. He's just goofing around with his friends. Yeah, it's uh, it's got good performances on it, in it, and it's got these lovely locations. It's out on the Spanish coast somewhere. Um, yeah, I quite enjoyed that one. Um, so I, I like those Francos. He was very prolific. That was a good period. Yeah, in like uh, 1973, did he must have done half a dozen films that year in one year. Mm-hmm. I think at some point you just turn into Andy Warhol about the whole thing, and you're just like. It's a factory, you know. You, yeah. You know how it runs, and you yes. just calling all your friends. You know? Yeah, just make stuff. Another movie. Let's make stuff. <laughs> uh, Major Grom played Doctor, which is on Netflix, I think. Uh, this is a new Russian. Um, it's not really a superhero movie because there's a supervillain. There's no superheroes in it. Hmm. Um, uh, you, it I, I liked it much better than Guardians, which was much more of a straightforward superhero team movie from Russia um, so this is set since in uh, St. Petersburg and they've kind of dressed it up and added some buildings in here and there but it, it looks really nice um, it's based on a comic by Artyom Gavrilyanov and stars uh, Tikhon Zhinevsky as Igor Grom he's a major in the police and he's one of those not playing it by the rules cops but oh yeah um, he, and, Things tend to get smashed, you know. There's, there's lots of kind of cliched characters in this, like every cop in every movie. Yeah, um, but it's a very good-looking film. It's a, a good adventure. It's got uh, enough local color and self-effacing humor to make all the cliches interesting again. Um, saw a picnic from mid '50s, directed by Joshua Logan. This is uh, uh, Joe Bob Briggs wrote about it in one of his his books about uh, controversial films. Oh. Um, this has uh, got Kim Novak, Susan Strasberg, William Holden, Cliff Robertson, Rosalind Russell, Nick Adams. Um, seething lust in a Kansas town. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, this has got a this is direct, uh, got photography by James Wong Howe, uh, and it's got the first um, first uh, film to use a camera shot from a helicopter. Oh, uh, Haskell Wexler was the operator. Um, this has got a. Uh, this is set during the picnic, which is in summer. But at this huge picnic thing, they uh, elect the queen of Halloween. But, but what they call this ceremony is Niwala, which is Halloween backwards. Mm. So there's a scene, and of course this is like this small town in Kansas. Everyone's white, and there's a scene where she she has to come down the river, and then everyone's gathered around the river and on the bridges, and then. Uh, the uh, MC goes Niwala, and everybody simultaneously puts their hands up and goes Niwala, and it's it's really creepy. <laughs> it's, it's like uh, yeah, midsummer all, all of a sudden, in with a bunch of Kansans. Yeah, it's kind of like um, uh, uh, you know, Meet Me in St. Louis has got that great Halloween scene in it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like one of the scariest Halloween scenes in movies. It's just out of control, but um, yeah, this one is, it just looks like one of those cults. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I saw uh, Tokugawa Seksu Kinshirei Shikijo Daimyo from 1972. Uh, this is directed by Norifumi Suzuki. He's one of my favorite Japanese directors. Uh, always does crazy stuff. Um, so the, it's uh, known in English as the Erotomaniac Daimyo. Um, so the, the Shogun is this... Uh, he's got lots of... Uh, 
concubines and so on and he's he's got over 50 kids and they all need to be married off to particular lords in order to control the country and and uh, so they take the 32nd daughter and uh, they marry her off to a daimyo in uh, the island of Kyushu and um, things don't go well because her and the daimyo are both virgins and he's spent all his life dedicated to the samurai arts and disciplines and uh, and she's she's uh, very uh, prudish and afraid and and uh, so uh, even though she's played by Miki Tsukumoto <laughs> 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 um, she, she's in lots of exploitation movies from the 70s and uh, so uh, ends up with him banning sex in his land which doesn't go over very well at all and uh, <laughs> so it's this kind of um, uh, oh and he turns <clears throat> to this uh, one of his concubines is this uh, French woman um, Sandra who's played by Sandra Julien and uh, she's uh, she tries to teach him about uh, uh, you know what you should do in bed with him. and uh, and then meanwhile his his bride is being taught about the sexual arts so it's a kind of sex comedy um it goes along pretty normally but this is not a filmy suzuki and in the second half it gets really crazy <laughs> um there's a lot more torture and uh, uh lounge music during seppuku scenes than you get in most sex comedies oh wow um on the, the really striking visuals on this is the guy who directed um school of the holy beast Oh, all right. So, on. so uh, little nun exploitation. Yeah, classic. Yes. Um, so uh, I saw another Jess Franco film called Attack of the Robots from 1966. This is one of the uh, uh, movies with uh, Eddie Constantine. Uh, he was these. He was a star of uh, Alphaville. Okay. Um, so this time it's, it's pretty straightforward. You're a spy action movie. Uh, there's you know they. They load him up with an exploding umbrella, electric shock gloves, exploding cigar, fountain pen, which is also a flute, which is also a gas bomb. <laughs> hmm. And uh, some organization has got these people who are turned into dark-skinned zombies who go out and assassinate various people around the world. Um, but uh, don't let that plot fool you because it spends most of his time in, in one hotel room. <laughs> it's, just, it's really low budget. Um, Fernando Reyes plays Percy uh, Franco plays a nightclub keyboard player again uh, it's got a terrible yellow face mobster character called Lee Wee um, this one was really dull I didn't, didn't like this one and I saw a whole bunch of uh, Olympic films they had on TCM so they're going with yay there's films about the Olympics yeah um, didn't know that was a thing yeah uh, it looks like they're using the uh, Criterion did this box set of Olympic films, and and they're using those. So the earliest one they showed on TCM was the Stockholm, from nineteen twelve, which is the fifth Olympiad of modern Olympiads. Oh yeah. Um, they uh, so they showed like a half a dozen or so of them. Um, I really like the ones that are. There's some of them that are just like summaries, but some of them they 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 want to bring out something about the human condition or man and nature or something uh, lots of beautiful slow motion stuff and naturally good soundtrack they, they're really uh, good to watch so my, my favorite um olympic films uh olympia from 1936 of course that one's very problematic because it's basically uh, you know, the third reich mm -hmm. promotion 
uh, Tokyo Olympiad from 64, which is Konichikawa. That's yeah. my favorite one. And then there's a good one from the early 70s called Visions of Eight. But again, that's a little problematic because it's the 72 Munich mm. Olympics. Yes. And they do go into that. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that's that's what I watched. Uh, I saw the uh, the new Jordan, Jordan Peele movie is going to be called Nope. Yeah. Uh, beautiful poster. I love it. I haven't seen the poster, but I did. There's, yeah, there's like there's a small town and, and then there's... Uh, at night and then uh, the skies above it there's all these clouds and there's this one particular cloud with this kind of stream of um, bunting coming out of it oh yeah, it's really good wow that's a that's a few good ones um is, was that it yep well for me i continued watching the netflix series heist and uh the the most recent uh they i think they cover it with two episodes per heist because you can't really tell the story of a heist in you know less than an hour you you need more like two hours and this one was the one about the uh the pappy van winkle um bourbon heist okay now not familiar with that i wasn't familiar with it until the heist happened and it was in the news and i'm thinking whatever you know it's some bourbon and i found out that the quality of this bourbon was becoming known and the resale market for it went crazy so it was something like a hundred dollar or so i don't know exactly but it was a it was an expensive bottle of bourbon but you could turn around and resell it for two, three, four, five hundred dollars and it just went up and up and up and pretty soon people were willing to pay a thousand, two thousand dollars for a bottle and some of the stuff was aged a lot longer and there's only so much of it available so people were happy to pay even more and um, this, is, this is something where the people working at these distilleries realize that it's just a blue-collar job and nobody cares and the security's not that tight. It's not too hard to put a case of uh, bottles in the trunk of your car. Uh, or, you know, put a bottle under your coat when you're walking out. And it went from that to more and more and pretty soon it's like, well, where do they load the barrels up? Why do you think I could back my truck up? <laughs> and they were stealing whole barrels of whiskey and they were, you know, we're talking... Uh, Kentucky bourbon or was it Tennessee or Kentucky I'm making somebody mad who's listening to this but um, <clears throat> what it came down to was somebody worked over at Wild Turkey somebody worked at Buffalo Trace and uh, you know somebody worked at another one and they all kind of figured out that they could steal entire barrels or some of these aged bottles and make a lot of money from people who had money and Someone took off with an awful lot of it at once, and it turned into a whole thing. And the, the local sheriff, of course, uh, is this overzealous character, <clears throat> and he wants to catch the people who did it. And it's not really clear that the main interviewee uh, even knew anything about that heist. He was, he was in on some smaller theft, but he maybe wasn't in on the large amount that was taken. So that being said, it's interesting to watch uh, the way it's retold with, you know, minimal reenactments. It, it's pretty cool. 
I, I shouldn't say minimal reenactments. Uh, uh, the interview footage and the reenactments are balanced pretty well, and they don't get ridiculous. Like some reenactments are silly. Uh, so that was Heist. Um, I recommend it. Uh, I think there were three stories. I've watched all three of them now. And uh, I will watch other seasons as they come up. Um, I was scrolling through, I want to say it was HBO Max. And uh, I ran across this DC Villains, um, as in DC Comics, not Washington, DC, because that's too easy. <laughs> it's just all villains. Um, but uh, I looked at uh, the preview to it and I went, oh, that's cool. Oh, hey, look, there's another thing here. And, and they did a little um, companion piece to it, which is specifically about Catwoman. So this is called DC Villains Catwoman, the Feline Femme Fatale. And this is from this year. And it's only 40 minutes, but really good. And you've, you've got interview footage and, of course, movie footage from Michelle Pfeiffer, Anne Hathaway, Zoe Kravitz, Eartha Kitt, Holly Berry, Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, all the cat women. Um, it didn't really occur to me that I wasn't looking at Julie Newmar when I saw Lee Merriweather as Catwoman. I think when I was a kid, you know, there, if there was enough time between when you saw the series and you saw the, the movie, the 66 Batman movie, um, Julie Newmar wasn't available. So they cast Lee Merriweather. She resembles her enough. So that was that. Uh, really, really cool, though. You know, you get a lot of different perspectives on the character and the complicated relationship with Batman. And it's really cool. It's, it's a fun watch. Uh, narrated by Tara Strong. Anyway, that was that. Um, and I watched uh, Fear Street Part 1. Now, I didn't realize until maybe after I watched the first one because maybe I didn't see the opening credits, but these were R.L. Stein stories. Maybe, Will, you told me that? Someone told me that. No, I didn't tell you that. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Yeah, the Fear Street trilogy <clears throat> that's uh, that's on Netflix. Um, it's it's uh, one of those things where I could say, if you don't roll into it with high expectations, you just figure it's going to be fun, kind of silly, kind of like American Horror Story sort of level. Uh, it's it's good. It's fun. Um, weirdly kind of long. I'm trying to... Yeah, 107 minutes. It's a little longer than I expected. I thought, well, you know, they can just sort of knock one of these out in 90 minutes. No, it's a little longer, but uh, it's good. I like it. It's, um, it's a slasher, basically, and uh, it's... Based on the book series by R.L. Stein, uh, but it's it's not you know the the screenplay's not written by him, so it, it definitely has a different uh, different approach. It's about this um, bookstore employee who's murdered by her friend, who didn't have any any motive to do it, and no previous indication that he would kill her, but she's sort of like stalked and killed in the bookstore inside the mall where she works like after closing time and uh he's shot to death by the police and uh 
the media reports this massacre and then they decide that it's the murder capital of the United States. And, uh, and there's another uh, town nearby and it's sort of like really rich and well-off people. And, uh, and the, the teenagers believe that, that there's a witch that has cursed this place since some uh, witch hunt stuff of the 1600s. Thought you were going to say of the 60s. The 1960s. <laughs> well, uh, part two is about 1978, so I'll I'll be able to uh, talk about that after I've seen that next time. And uh, uh, so far, digging it. You know, it's 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 not uh, probably as annoying to you. It, it would wouldn't be as annoying to you as say Stranger Things, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but kind of has that colorful vibe to it and. And uh, a lot of a lot of mouthy teens doing doing <laughs> teen stuff. Are on bicycles? <laughs> well, no, not as many bicycles in in this. At least this episode. Who knows? Maybe the other ones got more kids on bikes. But um, nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah. Do you think R.L. Stein's a real person, or just a pen name for a group of people? Uh, like you, Carolyn Keene. Yeah, I was gonna say like the Nancy Drew books. Uh-huh. Um. My understanding is that uh, is that he his name is something like Roland Lemonade. I don't know what his <laughs> Roland. I don't know what his name is, but it's. <clears throat> but I, I think Stein might be made up, but mm. R L stands for what his name actually is. It's not Roland Lemonade, but you know. Yeah. Uh, anywho, yeah, he's. Uh, Let's see if I could pull him up real quick. It's uh, Robert Lawrence Stein. I guess Stein is his last name. So, yeah. Sometimes known as Jovial Bob Stein and Eric Affaby. I don't know why he's got more pen names, but there it is. So you can write other other genres. Yeah, other schlock and different genres. And uh, that's it for me this time. So we watched a bunch of Italian shark movies. And some Chinese ones, I understand. Yes. <laughs> Julian, you watched some Chinese shark movies. Yes. Well, was, Meg was a, a big hit. And that was, like, funded by Chinese production companies. Um, so uh, they, they've, you know, they've got this Yuku channel, which is kind of uh, pumps out these kind of sci-fi channel things. But they're, oh, okay. they're better looking, uh, better acting. Hmm. Uh, not, cast are prettier. It's not a very high bar, is it? It's not, but <laughs> they are a notch above. <clears throat> um, so, uh, yeah, I watched three of those. There's one called uh, Horror Shark from 2020, directed by Wang Lang. Uh, this was 76 minutes, uh, including a repeat of the opening scene. Um, Chinese title means Blood Shark. Uh, it was originally made in 3D. Uh, it's got outrageous CG. Um this one is about uh, Dr. Ming is caught in a underwater genetics lab looking to save the Great White from extinction. Uh, but the uh, punk owner's secret plan is to make a blood shark to attract tourists. So they, uh, they experiment on the shark and it turns red. And um, <laughs> it, it, it kind of flashes red and blue like it's been pulled over by the police. It, it's, uh, I don't know why they, they made that decision. Um, but they've uh, apparently crossed this uh, shark with a red, red-eyed trout and an octopus and a human. So it's uh, smart, 
it's red and it's self-healing. Hmm. Wow. And then uh, Landshark from 2020, uh, not based on the SNL sketch. Darn. <laughs> sad to say. Uh, it's directed by Cheng Xiu and uh, Lin Zhichao. This is 74 minutes, so even shorter. Uh, the shark is being used in cancer drug tests, takes on the abilities of other organisms, and this time they've crossed a shark with an earthworm. <laughs> so it can regenerate itself from bits, and it's asexual. Um there's about a minute of city rampage uh, about two thirds of the way through uh, then giant shark aka huge shark <laughs> uh, the, main, the main shark is not giant whatever the n- name of the movie is uh, this is from this year uh, it's directed by Huang Xiao Sheng uh, this is even shorter it's 68 minutes <laughs> and uh, people are gathered for a birthday they got short sharked <laughs> uh, they, they stray into the shark waters uh, oh, the Chinese title of this is Giant Shark's Death Shark Beach. Um, it loses something in translation, apparently. Yeah. Uh, shark attack, there's beach yoga, there's surfing. Uh, plot starts about six minutes in. There's a three, three women and a man on a yacht trip, attacked by a shark. The fiancé is chomped, her sister, the fiancé and his supervisor, Wendy, end up on a dinghy. Um after the initial attack and uh, they're jammed in a reef Uh, as usual the shark is obsessed with killing every single one of them you know in these movies Mm -hmm. the shark just doesn't you know like real sharks they're they're not interested in humans so much because they don't taste good they'll take like an exploratory bite and then they'll go away right but in movies they're like they want to kill every single person (laughs) yeah they want to eat seals and um, stuff like that so uh, as usual for CG sharks it does ridiculous things like it will jump straight out the you know, vertically out the water and yeah. um, smashing through a life raft on its way um, uh, I mean, it, it's fairly uh, entertaining uh, I wouldn't call any of those movies great but <laughs> they're okay time wasters you were entertained yeah well that's something so many bad movies out there. I mean, if it entertained you, that's it's kind of a win. So, uh, as far as um, Chinese shark movies, are there a lot of them, or just a couple I've you found? I've just seen those three, but they're pumping them out. Hmm. They they got the the dollar signs in their eyes. Yeah. I mean, once you've got the the program for a computer shark, and you can just turn it into a zombie shark or whatever yeah yeah just make, make the same movie just again. reskin the thing in any way you want mm-hmm. some sort of were shark yeah i think were shark would be a really a really good premise there is a hawaiian like man shark isn't there he has like a shark mouth in his back oh yeah yeah there's there's some uh i've got an entire book somewhere on um on uh, folklore kind of tales and ghost stories of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, and it, I could possibly have it here on one of these shelves, but I have one that's uh, about uh, shark tales. Mm. You know, just stories about sharks. I think that was a movie from the 30s or 40s called Amu, Amu the Shark God. Mm. But disappointingly, there's no shark monster in it. It's just uh, it's like a, something that people worship. What a ripoff. Like the she gods of Shark Reef, I've got 
the original movie poster, the Roger yeah. Corman movie, yeah. right here in There's the room with us. Definitely some she-gods in that, though. Yes. However, um, I paid 99 cents for the DVD, and I think I paid two ninety nine for delivery, you know, for shipping. Um, it's not a good movie. No. <laughs> it was worth the 99 cents mm-hmm. just to take care of the curiosity of this fantastic poster. <laughs> like, what kind of movie could go with it? Oh, yeah. Well, a not very good drive-in movie. They filmed two of them at the same time, if I remember the story right. Probably. Like, Corman was notorious yeah, for... Corman, he wouldn't trek out to some island and just do one movie. No. Oh. No, it's like... Because oh he'd take the budget and then he'd split it in half. <laughs> and use half of it for another movie, so... And just reuse footage uh, indiscriminately. Yep. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, Will, what what did you choose as far as I Italian watched, sharks and whatnot? <clears throat> I watched four Italian shark movies wow. and one American shark movie. I'll start with that one. I watched Santa Jaws from <laughs> something, something, 1997, I believe. Uh, wow, <laughs> not a good movie. Uh, a young kid, he's probably 15 or 16. Uh, is a aspiring comic book artist. His grandfather gives him a magic pen. Uh, he draws a comic called Santa Jaws, which is an evil shark that ate Santa Claus. Um, and it appears and starts eating his friends and family. Did you look up anything about this movie? Fuck no. I looked up the title. I saw the title and it was like Santa Jaws. That's stupid. I'm watching that. <laughs> I just pulled this up on, on the computer here and uh, people also ask, what was the budget for Santa Jaws? Um, I'm going to guess under a grand. A hundred dollars. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's what it says. What? Um, the the guy who directed it also has uh, when you when you watch Prime or whatever I watch this on, they have a little X-ray that comes up and gives everybody's filmography. Uh, he had four other shark movies, no three other shark movies, one zombie sharks, Ozark Shark, and Swamp Shark. They were all from 2017, <laughs> so, including Santa Jaws. So he got a computer program with a shark, <laughs> a digital shark on it, and he made all these movies. I almost watched one called uh, Bad CGI Shark or something like that, <laughs> where two brothers are tormented by a bad CGI shark that they animate. Photo shark. <laughs> That's a better title. <laughs> Photo sharked. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, I... I would pass on this one. It, it's one of those that uh, that it all turns out to be a dream. Um, oh, oh, that's super. Yeah. Uh, then I Does watched... Does it come down a chimney at any point? No, he doesn't. He simply... It's set in New Orleans. Um, and he simply jumps out of canals and eats people. He, 
he, like your Chinese CGI sharks, can fly out of the water mm-hmm. with incredible speed, launch himself up onto the second story balcony to eat people, and then somehow get back into the water. Um, you know, jump straight up, bite someone, and then somehow fall backwards into the water. Uh-huh. I don't know how they do that. You know, here's several thousand pounds of shark because they're giant <laughs> coming out of the water snatching someone and then coming back down like a hand puppet or something you know it's digital hand puppet does he have a santa hat like the he does person? have a santa hat he also has uh christmas lights wrapped around him at some point that continue to stay lit hmm i don't know how that works maybe they're battery powered he can only be hurt well i have to change this it's a she uh, she can only be hurt by Christmas-related <laughs> objects. Okay. Um, so they make some Christmas bulbs into hand grenades somehow to combat the shark. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's not a good film. You're going to be watching this every year. Every year for for Christmas. <laughs> uh, Gather around, everybody. We're going to have some eggnog and watch uh, Santa Jaws. I didn't write them down, but having <clears throat> watched a number of shark movies, um, I, much like the uh, Jallo checklist, think there's a shark movie checklist. Um, Santa Jaws only has, other than the shark, obviously, uh, only one real thing uh, that's on the list is... A character explains at some point, there's no sharks in this area. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, moving on, I then watched uh, Cruel Jaws. Yes. Uh, from 1997. And uh, this is an Italian film um, about a escaped Navy shark that's trained to kill. Um, it's tormenting a coastal resort. There's uh, a number of boxes checked on this one. <clears throat> There's a uh, sort of corrupt mayor who mm-hmm. won't shut the, the beach down or, or cancel the regatta. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the regatta itself. <clears throat> there's... Uh, Somebody says there's no been sh- there's been no sharks here in a thousand years or something like that. Um, uh, the hero is going to be an outsider who doesn't listen to the mayor. Yes, the hero is an outsider. Um, at some point near the end of the film, one of the characters goes, "Oh yeah, they sunk a navy boat here and it had uh, experimental sharks on board." It's like. You could have told us this 90 minutes ago. Why did you just... It's not like he sees something and realizes it. It's just all of a sudden he just announces that like they came up with the <clears throat> with the idea at the end. The end is terribly confusing with some really, really uh, spastic editing. Um, at the beginning, the shark traps a couple of people in a cave by... Uh, knocking causing a rock slide Mm -hmm. um i don't think sharks do that but i figured that's where the cruel part came in remember he'd been trained yes he'd been trained by the navy um and these are divers that are in the cave yes Mm -hmm, okay um 
Because one of them uses a bomb to make an exit. Mm-hmm. At the end, uh, they blow up the shark on the boat, the sunken Navy boat, and all is well. Um, is this the one where they're, they're having to crawl through the boat? And the shark's breaking in the... I, I'll, I'll, I'll okay. answer that because <laughs> these movies are hard to recall because three of these movies all use the same footage for uh, giant scenes. Yes. Um, there's a scene in all three movies where there is a uh, helicopter mm-hmm. uh, and a pilot and a guy... I guess they're supposed to be Coast Guard, but he has an Air Force jacket on. And he flies, they fly around and they shoot at a shark. And then they go, oh, we got it. And they, in the next scene, it'll be drug into the harbor. And all the second unit footage is shared between all three oh. movies. Cruel Jaws, The Last Shark, and Deep Blood. Yes. Um, the reason the ending doesn't make sense to Cruel Jaws is because it's largely from deep blood, but they've chopped it all up. And at some point, they just have a bomb. They never make the bomb. It just shows up at the bottom of the boat with a light on it, and I guess you're supposed to decide, oh, that's a bomb. There's also this bell thing that keeps coming down that they keep showing, Turns out that's from another movie, and it's some sort of microphone, so they can talk, or at least she can. The person left on the boat can warn the people in the water. Um, yeah. So then I watched uh, Deep Blood, which I think was nineteen ninety-seven. Um, <laughs> now I'm this get, one. I'm getting nineteen eighty-nine and nineteen ninety here. For no, I'm uh, pretty sure it was nineteen ninety-seven for all of these movies. <laughs> um, I don't remember what happens in this, but I did notice another thing that should be added to the shark movie checklist is some sort of Americana circa the bicentennial will be. Yeah, visible somewhere. <clears throat> there will be an Uncle Sam or something. I think this is a holdover from Jaws. Yeah, because it was Fourth of July weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in one of these movies, and again, because they all use the same footage and the same story, um, I can't tell you which was which. But one of them, they go to the city hall, and there's a big bicentennial poster hanging up. <laughs> but it. It was filmed in, like, 1990, so I don't know why... I mean, 1997. I don't know why uh, why that would be there, other than to check the the sort of bicentennial Americana box. Now, considering that when, I, when I've looked this up, it's giving a different year, I have to, I have to wonder, were they getting sued by the people who own the rights to Jaws? And had to shelf the thing? Oh, sometimes they were, yeah. Yeah, because this says its original release date, and it says Portugal. Like, maybe that's God's blind spot, and they don't have any laws that have to be mm, adhered okay. to. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it says uh, the release date was, let's see, Deep Blood. Where is it? Um, anyway, it, it said 1989 or 1990, Portugal. And 
and it says connections edited from the last shark 1981 uh trivia mechanical shark's head was built for special effects but the rest is stock footage brought bought from national geographic yes so anything that looked too good they had nothing to do with except uh, except it doesn't look good though because it's uh, doesn't match it doesn't match and it's all blown <laughs> way up from like 16 millimeter to 35 or something oh man um they often throw a uh the binocular cut out over the film so you, you know you're supposing that's the viewpoint of the guy in the helicopter nice but it's at a weird angle that wouldn't work <laughs> it's clearly shot from a boat right off you know it's it's just the shark's just a couple feet under the water there um moving on i watched uh what was the other one i watched deep blood deep blood yeah uh same thing uh one of these movies i believe it was the last one um uh, uh cruel jaws had a fantastic windsurfing sequence that they had cut from, uh, I learned later, Last Shark. And then they threw the actors in on, on uh, they only show them from like the shoulders up holding on to this sail, <laughs> clearly in a room with a blue screen behind it. Oh, Not yeah. even projected anything on it, just blue. And they're kind of moving back and forth. There's... Yeah, they no don't. wind, no sea spray, nothing. No, you know they don't look wet at all. Glenn Glenn Danzig could come in and advise them on how to make it look more real. It's yeah, a, it's like the surfing scene from Batman. <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. So then, uh, yeah. So then, uh, uh, but that 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 uh, sequence of the guy windsurfing that opened the this movie or the other—they're blurring together for me right now. This is a, this is a real problem here. Not. Any fault of any viewer uh, of movies, when you edit them back and forth and it's so incestuous like that, you lose track. But the but the guy windsurfing who kept dunking his butt in the water while he was yes, it's like that felt like it went on for about ten minutes. Yeah, it went on for a while. Was that Deep Blood or Last Shark? That was Last Shark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we- they all blend together. They all use the same. You know, second unit footage and and National Geographic stock footage. I like uh, the Italian name for uh, Great White or Last Shark, depending on what title you want to re- refer to as Le Ultimo Squalo. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Cruel Jaws uh, felt very Italian-y. It had a lot of close-ups of people. It checked an Italian movie box uh, by having an ugly child who's supposed to be cute and endearing, but is slightly annoying. <laughs> Just a little ogre. Yeah, and you're kind of like, who? This kid's not photogenic. Why is? Why didn't? Whose kid is this? It's not just an Italian thing to reuse stuff because I remember, like, uh, if you watch uh, any movies that take place in the ocean from the 30s through the 50s, they'd have the same footage of this, like aquarium tank and an octopus fighting uh, some small kind of shark mm-hmm. yeah yeah this is the same thing uh i love one of these clearly whenever they they film somebody in the in the water it was in a pool mm-hmm. um and they didn't even try to hide yeah, the fact that tiles. it was a pool you could see the tiles <laughs> in the background <laughs> and it get the water gets a lot clearer yes um let's see uh 
Last Shark's probably the best of the bunch, only because it came first, and it is almost a direct Jaws ripoff. Yeah, and this had Vic Morrow in it, you know. And, and uh, is this who, who's the, who's the other fellow? Is it James Franciscus? Yes, yes. Yeah. he plays Peter Benton, which sounds similar enough to Peter Benchley, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, like, yeah. And then there's a guy who's like Quint. Yeah, yeah, that's Vic Morrow's character. Is that Vic Morrow? Yeah. Uh, uh, and what's weird is, you know. It, if you look at the release date on it, it's like he didn't have long to go because they did Twilight oh. Zone the movie right after this. Oh, that's yeah, right. And he, yeah, he died during the filming. Yeah. Um, I remember a terrible joke. Do you want me to repeat it? No. Okay. <laughs> it's too soon. Too soon. No, Vic Morrow was uh, probably a cool dude. Uh, and then I watched one more. I watched one last night because I hadn't gotten enough shark movies. <laughs> Uh, you get a taste for it. I got a taste for it. Yeah. Uh, there was blood in the water. Um, I watched Night of the Sharks. Oh yes. Uh, with Treat Williams. One. Yeah. Uh, more of a kind of crime movie than a shark movie, yes. I'd say. Um, not a good movie, anyway. Yeah, that's the uh, one I watched because it was yeah. the only Italian shark movie I hadn't seen before. Yeah, I'd not seen that one before, and it didn't use any. Uh, footage from the other three. I had seen Last Shark before and uh, maybe one of the others. I don't remember. I think I'd remember Cruel Jaws because I found the cast a little more entertaining than the than Deep Blood, although I did like the... Uh, there was a fat sheriff in it. Who's oh, he was Southern so sheriff, sweaty. Who was so sweaty. Like, <laughs> dear God, how was that man that sweaty? Now, okay, Jolien, have you watched that one, Deep Blood? I've seen every Italian shark movie okay. now. So do you remember that this movie starts, some kids are on a beach, and they're roasting weenies over a fire? Mm-hmm. And it, they have the shot of all of their weenies, like, in frame, like, kind of touching, like having a little weenie sword fight. And I'm thinking, is the director trying to say something here? <laughs> and then this weird stranger kind of rolls up, and he's like, oh, my people had a thing with uh, the ancient uh, blah, blah, and he just tells this bullshit, like, like uh, just totally co-opting Native American culture. And a, he the, was a member of the Rubber Tree people. <laughs> the Rubber Tree people. It was, it's from uh, Star Trek Voyager. The, <laughs> the uh, second-in-command is uh, Native American uh, Chicote, Chicote. At first, they seem to want to make him Hopi or Navajo, but aren't real sure. But then at some point, he said he gives some bullshit story that he's of the Rubber Tree people, and uh, we were, my wife and I were both like, "Boy, that sounds so made up. That sounds like total bullshit." Turns out the advisor, their Native American advisor on the show, lied. He was not native. He made it all up, and nobody thought to check it. I don't know much about native history, but two seconds into Chakotay's story, it sounded like bullshit. (laughs) So so for the rest of the series we watched it, we decided Chakotay was actually Italian. Yeah, like like William Iron Eyes Cody. Exactly, that (laughs) that being the joke that he was Italian, but he liked to tell people he was of the rubber tree people. (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, Iron Eyes Cody, for listeners who aren't familiar, look up the Do Not Litter ad of the, the early, Crying Indian. The Crying Indian, as people refer to him. Um, 
and he does look authentic in the commercial. Yeah, he, he pulls it off. He does, you know, and... Uh, Man, that ad ran for... Years. 25 years? Yeah. 30 years? Like, I don't know. It was old. They were already done with the Don't Touch Blasting Caps ads, and they kept rolling with that Don't Litter ad. Yeah. Yeah, then they got Woodsy the Owl. Give a hoot, don't pollute. Yeah, I don't see those anymore. No, it just wasn't as cool as Smokey the Bear. Yeah. Give a damn, don't burn the forest down. Um, I just, while, while we were talking about um, Cruel Jaws and Deep Blood and whatnot, I found the, um, the Last Shark slash Great White, depending on what title you want to go by, uh, Universal did attempt to block distribution of this um, before its premiere on March 5th, 1982, but the request was denied uh, initially by the U.S. District Court. However, about a month into the release, um, federal judge David V. Kenyon pulled, uh, ruled that the film was too similar to Jaws, and Last Shark was subsequently pulled from theaters. Yeah, it was, it was released as Jaws two or something in, in some territories wow i don't doubt it yeah it's, it's like it's like the wild west with some of these filmmakers they don't care they're like come at me with your lawsuit <laughs> intellectual property rights what is that there ain't no intellectuals here <laughs> there's just property and i stole it yeah so this uh yeah this this is a whole whole bunch of uh really bad stuff with some fun stuff in between can you call any of it really good jolian what's your opinion that 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 one with vic morrow is probably the better one that's the better one although there's a scene in one of them where uh the i think it's deep blood but yeah it's deep blood the rich kids go out on their yacht it's not a yacht (laughs) uh they call it a yacht it's not a yacht I don't know if they were being ironic or if the filmmakers didn't know, but uh, they go out in this little fishing boat, and uh, one of them has a rifle, and they're trying to shoot the shark, and then the shark, this is another check checkpoint, uh, the shark will bump the boat mm-hmm. violently, uh, so somebody falls off the boat, mm-hmm. and so the guy with the rifle falls overboard, and his girlfriend grabs a gas can... Oh, yes. And picks it up and somehow pours gas all over herself. I guess she's trying to get onto the shark. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, her friend has got the flare gun and shoots it off, and a terrible effect of fire goes up, and then the boat explodes. Yeah. That's the scene from Jaws 2, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Massive explosion. Yeah, that that was happening on the screen, and I'm watching it, and it's like, did I miss something? I felt like I missed something. Nope, this is just the stupid leap of logic that uh, she would spill that much gasoline and that some idiot would fire a flare gun and, you know, an explosion that big would come out of it. So neat. Um, Now, uh, Deep Blood, which I think I had 10 or 15 minutes left on it because I I decided I'm going to try and squeeze one more in, but I only got an hour and 18 minutes into it. Uh, I don't know how it ends, but they were taping up a bunch of dynamite and some divers had gone under the water. Uh-huh, so they I, blow up the, the shark in the boat. Spoilers for Deep Blood. <laughs> or <laughs> they actually blow or Cruel Jaws. or Because <laughs> it's the exact same ending. Now, Julian, you mentioned that 
Um, you know, trigger warning, they do kill some actual sharks in yep. some some, some of these movies. Some of them, yeah. Which ones and which sharks? Do you remember? Last shark, they have a dead shark in it. They have some dead sharks uh, in all of them. Tintorera, they definitely do. I think they definitely kill a shark in uh, Night of the Sharks. Because it's swimming around and he stabs it. And I think it was a real shark. It looked like they just filmed the guy underwater stabbing mm. a shark. Um, uh, not one that I watched, but the one with the... With the zombie fighting the shark. Yeah, they, they doped up a shark for that they one. They doped up a shark for that. Yeah, zombie. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you run that risk watching some of these Italian films because nobody's on set caring about animal welfare. Yeah, I watched Night of the Sharks as well because uh, it's the last one I hadn't seen. This is from 1987, which is old speak for 1997. Yes. <laughs> um, this is an Italian-Mexican shark movie. Uh, the director on the screen was Anthony Richmond. It's actually Tonino Ricci. Um, one of the three people involved with Night of the Sharks who worked on an earlier one called Bermuda Cave of the Sharks <laughs> uh, from 1978. Um, the uh, composer is Stelvio Cipriani and... Uh, the lead actress is Janet Agron. Uh, they, they'd all done this Bermuda film as well. Uh, but anyway, this stars Treat Williams as David Ziegler. And uh, uh, you know Treat Williams. Uh-huh. Um, and Antonio Fargus. Yes. As, as Paco, his, his buddy. And they hang out on this, br- this beach in uh, Cancun. Um, you've got John Steiners in it, um, who's in... He was, he was the guy in Tenebrae who catches the axe. Oh, okay. Um, it's got uh, comedy and thrills, boobs, diamond smuggling, a shark named Cyclops. <laughs> um, basically, uh, David Ziegler's brother, James, has got hold of the CD with his with the blackmail material on it involving the U.S. president. And uh, this, this gang goes after him, and uh, they, they do various... Uh, mishandled assassination attempts and eventually get get the brother and then uh, so uh, the Treat Williams character sets up traps for them and, and he, he he kills a lot more people than the, than the shark does. <laughs> yeah. Um, the invisible man kills more people than all the sharks put together. Um, filmed in the Dominican Republic. Uh, the Japanese and Italian releases are about 10 minutes longer. Uh, most of the violence, uh, as I say, is, is uh, Tree Williams doing going Rambo and killing these people in a, a jungle. He sets all these traps for them. Um, but as exciting as that sounds, I found it quite boring. Hmm. Yes, it was quite dull. It's weird when you describe a movie sometimes. It does make it sound better than it is. Yeah. Or make it sound like hilariously bad when it's just actually bad. Yeah, I found Deep Blood to be really dull. Oh, and it, it it wasted a lot of time just flouncing around with all these idiots, you know, yeah. like, oh, here's a bunch of preppies and here's a bunch of these crappy bullies and really nothing, you know, it, they've got this really lame theme music going here and there. Uh, there's a great argument scene where the kid's in his room and he's cranking his record player and he's got the dumbest, like, generic music playing. Yes. And the dad's like, turn it down. And he's not interested in turning down this 
this library music of crappiness. <laughs> it's just so bad. And oh, the fashions. I mean, the guys golfing. I mean, golfers, in my opinion, have the worst clothes anyway. But, you know, golfers of, you know, 20 some odd years ago, it's even worse. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the idea is to throw off your opponent. That's yeah. really loud pants yeah well it was like the waists are too high but the legs are too short it just looks like someone took normal shorts and yanked them up to like mid-abdomen you know <laughs> like up to your rib cage if you think the music's bad in deep blood the music <laughs> in and cruel jaws steals a bit of star wars music oh yes that was on purpose you could tell yes it's the opening of the you know star wars yeah where the ship goes over and the uh-huh, credits roll uh-huh. or the story rolls yeah once yeah. The, the crawl goes past ferris bueller's day off used it, it with it license does. yes <laughs> when the convertible goes flying off of the ramp or whatever um so yeah um biggest complaint other than uh literally everything about deep blood being bad which i haven't gotten to the explosion yet um, the pink blood. It's like they took a five-gallon bucket of Pepto-Bismol <laughs> and threw it into a propeller every time there's a shark kill. It's so pink. Oh, yeah. It's like deep blood? You mean deep pink blood? Because that's what it looks like to me. But a lot of, you know, a lot of Giallo movies and certain foreign movies, I've noticed just the color of the blood is just off. It just doesn't work. It looks like red paint or pink paint mixed with red paint. <laughs> and uh, this is probably the worst offender I've ever seen as far as the color just being nowhere near believable. Yeah, yeah I, as you say, I, I think my favorite Italian shark r- movie would be zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that zombie fighting a shark. It's stunning. Yeah, I mean, you can just watch that scene on a loop and it's, it's just the most entertaining, cool thing. A stuntman made up like a zombie actually wrestling a shark. Drugged up or not. The shark. Yeah. You know, drugged up or not. It's a shark. You know, there are people who are like, yeah, you know, if a grizzly bear is chasing, you just have to run downhill and then he can't run and he tumbles and falls past you. (laughs) Yeah. Give it a shot. (laughs) You know, I don't need to outrun a grizzly bear. I just need to outrun you. (laughs) That's a little I've never heard they can't run downhill. Oh, that's some crap that I heard a couple times and it's like no. Uh, if you're lucky there's a tree you can climb, but pff, no, grizzly yeah. bear. If you if the grizzly bear wants to eat you, <laughs> you are probably dead. Yeah, you might as well spread the mustard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh did we miss anything talking about Italian shark movies and Chinese shark movies? <laughs> shark exploitation at large? No, I don't think so. Um, is it a bad way to spend an afternoon watching one or two of these? Depen- yeah, you're probably going to see actual dead sharks and sharks actually getting killed at some point in Italian movies. Yeah, probably. But um, they but barely it, care for the actors or yeah. actresses. So. But, but apart from that, they're... they're yeah. Like, well, at least they're not tearing apart a sea turtle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. One of them, uh, I think in Deep Blood, there's a little dog that's barking at the water while its owner's in a little raft floating around. Um, 
Cruel Jaws uses the same shot, but they don't have any context, so it's just the dog barking at the water. And you think, <laughs> this poor dog's going to be it, eaten. And then it just cuts away. And you're like, I don't know what that was about. Whose right. dog was that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, at the beginning of Deep Blood, where the little red-headed kid's mom goes out on a floaty raft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she has a little dog. Yeah, that that scene. Yeah, yeah, that scene. Yeah, she's kind of like frumpy hot. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought she was actually a babysitter, not mom, because she didn't seem to care for the kid. Yeah, she's like, "Well, see you later. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. just float out here and daydream." And he was kind of an ugly child, so there's that. Yeah, yeah, a little homely monster. Um, so it's kind of hard to do the recommends on this uh, in in any kind of uh, reasonable fashion, but. In general, um, Jolien, do you recommend Italian shark movies? No, uh, Last Shark is the better one. It's about it. If you're gonna yeah, pick, pick one, pick that one. Gonna watch one. Yeah, and we're and we're talking about you know something that um, has some actual uh, good actors in it, and uh, director seems to care about making it yeah. move in a direction. Photography's good. Yeah, um, people who've made other movies. <laughs> If people who didn't have a budget of a hundred bucks, um, what does it say the box office was on this? Eighteen million dollars in the U.S. for Last Shark. That's pretty good take good. for an exploitation movie, for a Jaws ripoff. But you know, you got Vic Morrow in it uh, playing uh, fake Quint, <laughs> the Kirkland version of Quint. Yes, uh, dollar store Quint. Dollar store Quint. Um, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It's like you pick the best of the bunch or watch Zombie with an eye uh, and watch that shark wrestling scene. And, uh, of course you watch it with your eye. What else? Yeah, <laughs> watch it with both eyes. What are you going to do? Um, that movie is so worth it anyway. I would say oh, yeah. Last Shark and Zombie. Just, just watch those two. Yeah. That, that's, that's the recommend. Horror fans... That's a good double feature. Shark, shark movie first, and then the zombie movie that happens to feature a shark second, and then you'll end on a high note. Yeah. You know, that's, that's good stuff. Well, anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. Well, cool. Listeners, thank you for listening. Stay out of the ocean. <laughs>